Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Magi were Gentiles. They weren't of the house of Israel. They weren't Jews. They were men from a foreign land. And somehow and in some way, they learned of the star rising to point to the Messiah. They could have received this word from Daniel during the exile. The Magi were often thought to be from Babylon. They could have had God's word from another source, from one of the prophets, one of the writings. Or it's not out of the realm of possibilities that God could have just simply revealed this to them in some supernatural way, as that would have not been unusual at this point before and surrounding the birth of Jesus. But what remains, though, is these men were Gentiles, and they followed God's word to find where the Lord was to be found. And what happens then is nothing short of miraculous. In going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him, literally fell down on their faces before him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So the Magi were Gentiles, and they worshipped Jesus. Now, for us here now in 2022, that might not so sound so surprising. But for the readers of Matthew's gospel, the only one who has this account, who were a primarily Jewish audience, that's astounding. Now, the epistle reading today has something to say about this, and there's a reason why it's the epistle reading for the epiphany of our Lord, and why it reveals to us why Jesus has come and what this means that he has accomplished his salvation, salvific work for us. So here's Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, the one who was accused of elevating the Gentiles to the same level as the Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles on the same thing, wrote this by divine inspiration. He said, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Now, last Sunday, we celebrated St. Stephen Day. And you remember who was standing right by as St. Stephen was stoned to death and they laid his cloaks, their cloaks at his feet? This very one who wrote those words. Paul, a Jew among Jews, one who's persecuting those who are following after Jesus, who wouldn't even get near the Gentiles, who you think about the laws, you don't eat with them, you don't do all of those things. Now here he is saying the Gentiles are fellow heirs with the Jews because what? 
of the gospel through faith in Christ. So Jesus is the new Israel, just as he is the fulfillment of all that was spoken to Israel, and he is the temple not made with hands. Epiphany celebrates all of this. It comes from the word theophany, which means a divine revealing. And we see this as we hear these readings today in the visit of the Magi before Jesus. And what it does is it teaches you the all-encompassing nature and the purpose of the birth of our Lord that would see this lived out in the church through the ages, even up to today. And Matthew's gospel ends with those words we're familiar with. When Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And finally, as we go forth towards the last day, all of this will see its, its consummation. It will see its completion as we have that image that St. John saw in the Revelation when he wrote, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So the Savior of the nations has come. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You are the people of God, and what makes you the people of God is rather who makes you his people. The Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel to see Jesus for who he is, your Savior, your Lord. And he's called you to this faith, and he has gathered you and all his people together as the body of Christ, the church. So the significance of all of this can't be overstated. Now, there's a common misconception, though, among many American Protestants that God's chosen people are the people of Israel, and they have a special place in God's kingdom. One of the names of this false teaching is called Zionism. The equation with Israel, though, is the modern state or nation of Israel, not the new Israel who is the fulfillment of the old covenant and God's people by faith in Christ. And it's such a big deal today that many American evangelicals want Israel to play a significant role, if not a primary role, in American foreign policy. So there are funds set up, and you, you'll see ads on social media trying to get you to donate money to these things, that some of these American megachurches and leaders have these resources for Israel to regain segments of their land, such as the Temple Mount, which is controlled currently by Muslims. And there's even whole societies set up, and certain ones in particular that, the, that Jewish groups are um, helping with this as well, primarily with this, but um, American Christians are helping out with this, of training priests to start up sacrifices once the temple is built again. Pastor Lingard and Sandra, when they went over to Israel, they saw some of these things, and they can tell you about it, these things that they were shown. Now, these Christian groups differ in their reasoning, but a common thread among them all is that Israel has an entity, has a special significance. Some think they must rebuild the temple in order to establish a throne and a kingdom for Jesus to return or he won't return. 
they think Jesus is not going to return on the last day and make all things new unless they can physically build something in Israel. Others think Israel still holds that place in God's heart as they are still his people and must be protected and there's always going to be a remnant preserved. And for as many different groups there are, you can find as many different ideas floating around as well. You can just do a simple Google search and, well, there goes your day, wasting all around reading those things. And you'll also hear, oftentimes in media sources, that Jews and Christians share Judeo-Christian values or a similar faith. And this will get then taken to a conclusion then that, well, Jews and Christians really worship the same God. But you see, the faith of the people in the Old Testament, however, that's your faith. Modern-day Jews, as we call that term, not what we're talking about in the scriptures here in, this, in the readings today, but modern-day Jews have departed from the faith as they have rejected everything that the Old Testament was pointing to and is fulfilled in Christ. So what does that mean? Abraham is your father, as are all the patriarchs and the prophets, Moses, Elijah, Jacob, Joshua, all of those people were Christians looking forward to the coming Jesus. So Gentiles then, those who didn't come from a Jewish line and ancestry, can make that same claim, that they're sons of Abraham, like you, through faith in Christ. We heard something similar yesterday when we celebrated the circumcision and name of Jesus in Galatians 3. It ended with this, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are a Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Now Paul will also go at length in the letter to the Romans, chapters 9, 10, and 11. All of that is just among many places, is very clear in addressing all of this issue. And who is the true Israel? And what makes one a part of God's people and who God's people are? So what makes someone a part of God's people is the word of God, and the word of God creates faith in Christ. So regardless of where someone comes from in the world, what language they speak, the color of their skin, or where their ancestors can be traced to, Christ came to redeem all people. And so... Jews, those coming from that background in New Testament times, and Gentiles were brought together into the same church. Together they make up the new Israel. And that means you're included in this as you are God's chosen people. So celebrating Epiphany is hearing and knowing that Christ came for you. So the seriousness of all of this is when we start separating salvation apart from Christ. It's only in Christ, only through faith in him. And when we start trying to make a specific nation or something like that, we run into a very serious danger. So the light of the world is your light. Jesus said in John's gospel, my confirmation verse and Rebecca's confirmation verse, the same one, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So you have light. You have life. Because Jesus has redeemed you. And you are where Jesus is, and he is here for you even now.
The darkness of sin, death, and the devil are driven out by the blood of Christ, which has been shed for you and baptized into Christ. You have all that Jesus has done. You have a circumcision of the heart. And call those who faithfully follow God's word your brothers and sisters in Christ. God calls his people then to faithfulness to his word. God's word makes us one. God's word joins us together. Sometimes you'll hear people quip or say, doctrine divides people. And there's some truth to that because Jesus divides people. It's what he does. Separating false teaching from the truth divides, but the truth, Jesus says, sets you free. Doctrine, the true teaching of Scripture, is what creates real unity and what the Bible calls fellowship. And how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. When doctrine, when God's word is rejected, then that's when division does arise, real, lasting division. We see this all over the scriptures. Take 1 Corinthians just as one simple example, the whole church at Corinth. You know, always when I think of Epiphany and I think of the Gentiles and I think of all of the stuff that we're thinking about this morning, it's always wonderful at seminary meeting brothers in Christ from around the world and talking to them. You hear men from Africa, South America, Europe, Asia, Some of them have literally had their churches burned down by people persecuting them. And here they are sitting at a lunch table with you in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Or when I go down now to St. Louis for my PhD work, down there talking to them. But even though we're coming from all over the place, we see the unity that we have. That's nothing short of a consolation and a peace from God. We're together as the body of Christ. We start talking and they have the same doctrine of baptism, the Lord's Supper, any number of things. Yes, granted, we're, both at, we're all at Lutheran's seminaries, but that's the reason we have this same doctrine. So the connection then that we have in these conversations is that connection and the fellowship that even now we have, even as we sit here in Keystone, Iowa, and there over all the place. Because what forms our unity, what brings us together as the body, is God's word. It's the same thing, too, when you look back in church history. I was reading something the other day from one of the church fathers and what he was saying about baptism, about baptizing infants and washing away sin. It's the same thing as the small catechism teaches. Because why? He had the scriptures. We have the scriptures. Oh, 2,000 years, all through those things. So God has made you his people. And the unity you have in the scriptures is a real unity created by God. And it's eternal on this side of heaven and even into the new creation where you will be with all of God's saints from every tribe, language, nation, and people forever. Ephesians 4, 4 4-6 is beautiful. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. St. Paul wrote those words as Jews and Gentiles were brought together in Ephesus under the same church. So, dear people of God, rejoice this day. God has revealed himself. He's the savior of the world and this baby born in Bethlehem. You are his people with your fellow heirs in Christ. The Magi came. They fell down before Jesus. They worshiped him. And you worship him today as you receive his word and sacraments. He gives you salvation. And just as they brought him gifts, now that salvation is accomplished, Jesus is the one giving you gifts giving you forgiveness, life eternal. So to celebrate the epiphany of our Lord is a beautiful thing. There's great beauty in this image we have in Matthew 2.11 and the whole gospel reading. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. 
And offering their treasures, they offered him gold, gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Martin Luther once said about this text, he said, quote, These magi here teach us the true faith. So they teach us that they followed the word and went to where Jesus was found, even as they endured a great journey and the schemes of Herod. To see these Gentiles falling down before the Lord found not in the splendor of a palace, but with his mother in a house is a beautiful thing. That Jesus took on human flesh and dwells among us, and he is our brother in the flesh. Only without sin, that is a beautiful thing. So we know God is not against us, because Christ has become man, and his glory is revealed in his life, his suffering, and his death all for us. And he has risen from the dead and proclaims that this is all for you. How beautiful it is for you to follow the example of the Magi and go where Jesus is found his word, and sacraments, for you to find rest for your weary souls and the one who laid his head to rest on the lap and bosom of his mother as a child, the one who is the same one who bowed his head in death for you and then raised his head up again in the glory of the resurrection. Behold, the Lord, the ruler, has come, and the kingdom and the power and the glory are in his hand. Amen.